Hello, I'm Kane Winstead. And I'm Matthew Dergish. You're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where we'll be taking a look at the deep cuts and forgotten stories of the Spider-Man library, looking for lost gems and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Hey, Kane! You know who's a great villain? The Gibbon? No, not that guy, though. Uh, maybe. But I meant Carnage. Remember his first appearance? I actually prefer to think of it as the death of Chip, one half of ESU's green team, but yeah, I remember it. Right! And then you remember Maximum Carnage, that event so popular that people have debated the merits of it for years and it even got its own video game? I don't like where this is going. Well, that's okay, because here on the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, we're not going to talk about those stories, but we are going to dig into that time Carnage got a holdover from being the power cosmic in Amazing Spider-Man 430 and 431, written by Tom DeFalco, penciled by John Bennett, and inked by Bud LaRosa, and colored by Bob Sharon. And not only that, but today we have the premier expert on these two issues. And by that, I mean the only other person we could find on the internet who has written about more than just a wiki summary on the story. You may know him as the creator of the Chasing Amazing blog, or the author of A Hundred Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, or even, more likely, the co-host of The Amazing Spider Talk. But we all know him as the mischievous Mark Ginocchio. Welcome, Mark. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I'm glad that I could be living in such uh, ignominy to be uh, the one who wrote about this story once, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how more people haven't written about this story. It's just a story. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the the only reason why I wrote about it is because um, these comics for being something that's fairly recent are really hard to find. And I was just really proud of the fact that I, I scored them both out of a dollar box at a, a comic book show in New Jersey uh, about a decade ago. Well, that segues right into the next part about availability. So for those playing the home game, Amazing Spider-Man 430 and 431 are available on Marvel Unlimited and Comixology. As of this recording, I went up and looked to see just how much they're going for on eBay, because I know some of you guys like to have the physical copies. And to my vast surprise, these are going for about thirty or forty-five dollars a pop. So for the fact that you found them for t you know two dollars, that's a good find. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous that they're selling that much. I do not understand where this comes from. It's it's very silly to me. I mean, this is the uh, first appearance of Cosmic Carnage. Also the only appearance, if you're not counting that what if. Uh, I mean, they might have inflated uh, with the whole Red Goblin thing recently, but I can't imagine that would be the case. But that, that's the only way I could see these deserving to be that expensive. They, they were definitely like in the 2025 range back when I scored them for a buck. So this is this is a, a certainly a, a speculative bubble that's been percolating for a while i mean it, it, they could be higher now because of the current story but they were always a little inflated in my mind definitely so for all those listening who like to collect along with 
what we're listening to, highly recommend that you get those digital issues instead of the physical ones, unless you just really love the smell of newspaper stock. I think it's funny. I mean, I remember scoring these issues for just a couple of bucks uh, not even all that long ago, so I guess it depends what shop you walk into. Who knows? Maybe someone on eBay just... I, I don't know, but that's that's the problem with eBay. But yeah, yeah, 30 or $45 for these issues. I say we should dig in and find out if they're worth the price. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I, I can lay down the synopsis. Um, it's... It's a long one, but uh, we o- we open up with uh, Spider-Man celebrating that the heroes entangled in the whole onslaught and Heroes Reborn thing have returned alive, while also lamenting the fact that the Bugle has put out a million dollar bounty on his head. Uh because this is the 90s and that's just what happens. Uh, Meanwhile, the surfer wonders how the thing returning is going to affect his quote-unquote deepening relationship with the thing's ex. And so he decides to fly down to Earth to set the score with the thing, I I guess. I'm not sure. Uh, It's not really touched upon. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, due to... Budget cuts and corporate greed at Ravencroft. Cletus Cassidy escapes from prison and starts creating a havoc as he is wont to do. Spider-Man intercepts. They do battle until the surfer tries to intervene, which for whatever reason causes the symbiote to detach from Cassidy and then bond with the surfer after he tries to contain it. Uh, That ends the first issue. The second issue is pretty much devoted to explaining the history between the symbiotes and the silver surfer and then surfer's internal struggle with carnage. Um, uh, Because apparently back in his Galactus days, Surfer came across a planet overrun with symbiotes and was so horrified with everything he saw, he just decided to skip the whole, like, Galactus is coming, pack your bags, and just told Galactus to start eating. Uh, This was so... Horrific to the symbiotes that it seared a deep hatred onto their quote genetic memory and passed passed that down for generations. Uh, eventually, Silver is uh, the Surfer is able to overcome the symbiote and then convinces Spider-Man to return it to Cassidy instead of letting it bond with Surfer. Uh, and then Surfer imprisons Carnage in an inescapable cocoon of cosmic energy, and the issue's over. And we never heard from Carnage again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I I started to look up to see what his next appearance was, and then I didn't care, because in my mind, this happens, then Sentry throws him into the sun. Like, that's the order of events. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that right? Is that was that the next appearance? Oh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm sure um, there was another mini series or fifty, but yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you know, the end of Carnage was when Sentry destroyed him in space. It's kind of like how The Simpsons truly ended after season seven, and everything that's followed doesn't really happen. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's where Carnage is now. <laughs> oh man, he comes on our podcast, we get all the hot takes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. We got uh, we got Mark unchained. Oh here. no! Uh, I'm, I'm disrupting the flow. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. So uh, so yeah, this this comes hot out of the aftermath of Heroes Reborn, and 
I love the line uh, in the narration that's like, Spidey doesn't even know how they survived. He doesn't care <laughs> at this point, which I feel is a sentiment shared with most people who read Heroes Reborn. Just like, all right, it's over. <laughs> Perfect. For <laughs> those of you who uh, may not be so hip to the game, Heroes Reborn was an event where coming out of something called Onslaught, where Professor Xavier Magneto fused into one super being. I won't go into the details there because we're not an X-Men podcast and I don't have the brain width for it. Um, Bad things happened. And a large portion of the main Marvel superheroes got dead, supposedly, but nobody's ever dead in comics. So they were taken to an alternate reality created by Franklin Richards, who is the uh, Fantastic Four's little baby kid and then he was trying to keep them safe but they're saying uh keeping us in a weirdo dimension isn't right and then they basically all get transported back into the marvel universe which is one of the first big relaunches of the marvel universe this was all in the 90s it wasn't handled particularly great and this is the spider-man issue where they mark that we're past it and this is how we celebrate with spider-man jumping so high in excitement that he almost gets his head shot off for two seconds because he has a bounty on his head that's the summary <laughs> for that yeah and i think just isn't for some more back office drama i mean this was also at the point where marvel was going through like bankruptcy proceedings and stuff like that so um like wasn't like jim lee and rob liefeld they were brought back in to like do these like other series before they eventually just scrapped it and came up with like the Franklin Richards uh, excuse of, Oh, it's, it's his own pocket universe. And that's where they've been. I was going to say that, that sounds about right to me. I've never done a deep dive into heroes reborn for all the reasons you guys just described. (laughs) You definitely can feel those bankruptcy hearings in this comic uh, just because the first the first three pages of the first issue are devoted to the Thunderbolts and it literally ends with a little editor box saying, hey kids, did you like what you read? Go check out the Thunderbolts. <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's what I do when I pick up a comic. I want like the first four or five pages devoted to a different comic. Editor's note, we're bankrupt by our comics. <laughs> So, as we dive in, we we get a little uh, rift between uh, Mary Jane and Peter because she's upset that he's going out as Spider-Man with the bounty on his head and whatnot. Mark, you're the Spider-Man scholar. How did that part read to you? The whole MJ stuff in this issue is like, it just feels so tacked on. And this is also like the very weird part of their relationship. Like, I, I always found like the 20 or 30 issues that followed the end of revelations and the clone saga to until basically when the book relaunched as like a volume two i mean like they it was just so clear that no one at that point had any clue what to do about peter and mj not even that they didn't know how to like write her or write him or write them together it's just like they didn't want to deal with it anymore and they were just like oh insert random marital dispute and then move on quickly because no one really cares. (laughs) 
Right. Like I've I'd never read really this this era of Spider-Man. I, I was always informed to steer clear, so I, I did. And I never really understood people saying that, you know, some of the writers talking like, well, I, I didn't really like writing the marriage or I didn't feel like it really fit with the characters. And I never really understood that until I read this comic and I can see just how bad that or the drama here could be so forced and i can definitely see why some of the creators would have those feelings well with this i almost wonder if it was more editorial driven because this is tom defalco who i mean he wrote the marriage a ton i mean like you know not even just in this era but i mean like on the heels of this is when i think he started um spider girl and i know that's an alternative universe but like he wrote the family well in that book and he was I, you know when i was interviewing him for my book and stuff i mean he was always talking about how he, he was during the clone saga pushing towards basically trying to have peter and mj end up together and ride off into the sunset and maybe even like when ben was the main spider-man doing like a spin-off book with the two of them married with a kid like he he liked doing that and this book doesn't this these two issues don't read anything like someone who liked writing the two of them together which made me think that you know either it was just tacked on because they felt you know obligatory marriage uh notification or maybe even like someone in like in the higher ups of marvel was like uh let's uh let's just you know make one reference to it and move on (laughs) (laughs) well i think tacked on is probably the word to describe a lot of what's going on with this comic there are just there's so many plot threads that are are picked up but not a lot is done with them so you have from a previous story norman osborne buying a stake in the bugle you have uh, robinson quitting the bugle you have this spider-man headhunt going on you have the a plot with carnage um you know you've got marital strife with Peter and MJ there's just there's a lot going on in this comic that kind of muddies the waters and takes up page space which at the end of uh, you know not to jump to the to the end of the comic right here but at the end of the day for a comic that's supposed to be about Carnage getting the cosmic powers they do a lot more to establish Carnage as a threat before he gets the power cosmic than they do after he gets the power cosmic. And that's what I really feel is missing from this comic is once Carnage gets that power up, he leaves, you know, the surfer with the Carnage symbiote leaves Earth and has this like existential crisis and then comes back. Spider-Man, you know, there, there's... They give lip service to a fight, and then it's over. There, there's no real struggle. How, how did you guys feel about that? Like, am I off base here, or, or did you also feel that a little let down by this this lack of a buildup? Well, I, I have to agree with you. I, I think it's kind of funny that this idea of the carnage with the Silver Surfer's powers is such a big threat that's the sell of the issue that's what the cover's pushing us on and that idea is like oh my gosh you know uh what's he gonna do and in the end he just kind of punches him around a little bit and the surfer's fighting from the inside and everything ends up okay uh i i think there's some story beats that work around it in a way that help out but this raw power threat is 
never actually dealt with in the story and it's palpably missing. Yeah, I mean, I think one of my favorite little sidebars of this story is, you know, when when the threat reveals itself and, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, oh my goodness, you know, the symbiote and the Silver Surfer, like who could possibly beat that? And Spider-Man, doesn't he like, he, he calls up Avengers Mansion and it's like, well, yeah, they're back, but they're not back yet. <laughs> like you're you're right. on your own, dude. It's like, <laughs> like we, you know, like I guess you know, with Marvel's budget issues, they just couldn't like spare the Avengers in that in, the, in a crossover just yet. I, I don't, because I, like, how else would you? Ta- I mean, and I know, like, oh, just calling the Avengers, it's kind of like a a, a very obvious solution to any kind of problem in a in a Marvel comic, and thus. You, you kind of have to avoid it most times. But really, in this instance, if this is not a case for the Avengers, what is? Right. And that, that was kind of like the lead up that I was expecting was like, how is Peter going to get out of this? Because like, I mean, this is this is Fire Lord, but like turned up to 11. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was that one was also DeFalco, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I was kind of wondering, like, is this like, is he going to work this in as kind of like a sequel to that or or what? And, you know, ultimately just kind of let down. And I should point out, this is where path lines diverge. And what if volume two, 108, that call is the deciding difference where, in fact, the Avengers do come in. And that comic is resolved very much in a what if fashion where because of the brawl with the Avengers, the entire Bureau of New York is blown up with countless dead. And uh, I think three Avengers die, and then Silver Surfer has to sacrifice himself in the sun to deal with the problem. So it's what if everybody dies, and that's that (laughs) issue. I mean, if you can find me a what if issue that doesn't end with everyone dying (laughs) in like a horrible, tragic death, like... I don't know if that was like some sort of edict or what, but it was. It start. It's it started to got, get comical, where you know, seemingly <laughs> insignificant things cause like half the world to die. <laughs> it's a. It's the butterfly effect. Everything you know, everything has to go horribly, horribly wrong. Like, what if Uncle Ben lived? Everyone else dies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting that that what if ends with. Silver Surfer taking Carnage to the sun since that's ultimately how he's taken care of by Sentry in New Avengers until that no longer happened. <laughs> I don't even remember how they wrote him back in from getting thro- ripped in half and thrown into the sun. What's okay, he um, just sands his legs. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did note that... Uh, was interesting was when uh peter's friend uh billy walters or i guess he's not quite his friend at this point yet offers to take him to the knicks game uh peter mentions that the quote beer and dogs are on him and that was a (laughs) rare reference to peter parker drinking um rare enough that it warrants mention i suppose (laughs) oh duels on pete (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's that's the twist. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those ones we have to watch out for. There's scant mentions of him drinking and scant mentions of him driving. And if we can get both in one issue, 
<laughs> Probably one of those PSA <laughs> PSA issues. Typically, you don't like to mix drinking and driving. Not with your superheroes. But when you get the spider cart, you can't help yourself. <laughs> I mean, it drives up buildings. How much trouble can you get into? <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Let's let's move on to some positive notes because I I did have some things I appreciated with this. With this story, uh, particularly how they handled Carnage's breakout, um, you know, it wasn't really over-explained. In fact, it wasn't explained at all. They just he magically knew that the um, safeguards keeping him in place were lowered, and I actually liked that because it's like if this uh, Mister Pogue, I think was his name, if it's like his his greed and disregard, kind of like summoned carnage uh you know to act in some sort of like karmic retribution uh not to use like a cliche or anything but it it kind of leads the carnage character into feeling like a force of nature rather than a a crazy guy with superpowers um so i i actually liked that aspect of the comic um I, i think we've uh mentioned this before jerry conway's carnage series worked well because it kind of treated carnage the same way less less like a psychopathic murderer and more like some sort of event in itself had i mean did, did you guys like did you did y'all pick up on that or or have any thoughts about about that aspect like how, how do you how do you feel like carnage was handled in this not necessarily the cosmic aspects but just in that first issue and setting up carnage as a threat well i uh i, I like the fact that the minute he gets out he's talking to himself and he's saying i i think i should pay more and kill less like we're getting the kinder softer carnage right out the gate <laughs> And immediately there's someone who's parking in a handicapped space and that's what ticks Carnage off. And so his way to handle it is to maim the guy so he deserves the spot, which is (laughs) one of the most Joker-esque readings. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Uh, That was that was also it was pretty much the highlight of the story for me was was that exchange (laughs) I, I actually liked I liked uh, the fact that you know when he kind of left uh, Robbie's wife to live and she like basically just starts calling Robbie a coward and a, and a jerk for like not doing more with Carnage I guess or like you're always worried about the story Robbie <laughs> just it's like see this is what happens when he lets people live it's 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 you know it just creates even more problems for for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying if we get a what if carnage actually just killed everybody it would it would end with like world yeah, peace. i think so <laughs> well you know robbie would have a happier marriage i guess i don't know <laughs> there'd certainly be less arguing yes <laughs> it would just end with but... carnage and thanos looking at the sunset <laughs> um but it's funny that you mention the the Joker in this because one of one of my complaints see see I'm already back to complaining about this issue after saying I wanted to talk about the positive aspects was that because we didn't really spend too much time really working with the you know Spider-Man overcoming this 
overcoming the 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 challenge of of fighting carnage we really spent most of the time devoted to that to this really tired you know do i kill this guy do i not kill this guy because it turns out that cletus has a stomach tumor that the symbiote is feeding on which predates that story beat with eddie which i thought was I don't know if that was a coincidence or if I think it was Jenkins who came up with that particular twist. If if he read this and and used that with Eddie or not, but the the last issue hinges like the tension hinges on well will Spider Man decide like let Cassidy die and you know deal with the Carnage symbiote on Silver Surfer or will he go with Surfer's plan and give it give the the symbiote back to Cassidy and it kind of hinges on this like killing is bad killing is wrong killing is bad wrong kind of uh argument which I feel is really tired how, how do you guys feel about it well I definitely feel like I mean this is this is something that has been beaten into the ground with Spider-Man vis-a-vis Carnage I mean even going back to like Maximum Carnage I mean that ultimately ends up being not to complain about one story by complaining about another but like that's that's one of my overarching complaints with maximum carnage is i feel like you know this whole the whole idea in that story of well well how far can peter go if he gets pushed by someone with like who just kills without remorse it it just like you know it gets beaten over your head over the course of 14 issues to the point that you just become numb to it and i feel like that's just the one trick they have with Spider-Man and Carnage, probably because, I mean, outside of the fact that it's, you know, that Carnage was created by the symbiote, which comes came from Peter and the alien symbiote, yada, yada. Like, there's not a lot, like, that kind of links these two characters together in the truest sense of, like, a good Spider-Man villain relationship. And that's, I mean, that's my opinion, but, like, that's, that's one of my biggest complaints with Carnage is when you put aside the symbiote, he's not really a good villain for Spider-Man. It's just because it, it just kind of beats up notes that aren't i mean they are kind of spider-man-ish notes but like you can't really get deeper about it and that's always what's intrigued me about spider-man is like certain things with him from a morality standpoint ethics standpoint you kind of go a little deeper because of how unique the character is and you can't really do it with carnage because carnage is so one note i think that's a fair point and with characters like that the part that hits me is more bizarre is spider-man brings him in alive but why wouldn't the courts put him down because maximum carnage happened that feels like that would be the moral story that they never go into so that's been, always been my little mental tick about those sort of stories are you saying the story should be soul of the carnage are, are you looking for a sequel here <laughs> oh i'd love that <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh well y- you heard it here uh house of ideas <laughs> maximum carnage 2 <laughs> maximum carnage 2 carnage's remorse <laughs> um well let's see we're, we're getting toward the end of the issue i had one one other small note did you guys have anything you wanted to, to bring up before before we we wrap up this Okay, well, I I wanted to touch on something Mark brought up earlier, which was this whole subplot with Robbie Robertson, which also links into the subplot with J. Jonah Jameson, and more importantly, since we're talking about the Carnage symbiote right now, Norman Osborn. 
where uh, at this point Norman Osborn uh, was in ownership of the Daily Bugle and contriving all sorts of events around Spider-Man's life. Uh, yet somehow Carnage and Norman seem to miss each other here. I don't know if you guys uh, had any thoughts maybe about this story in relation to uh, one that we're in the midst of right now. I would say that if you're looking for a souped-up Carnage story, the one we're in the middle of is better than this one. <laughs> that's, that's about all I have to say about it. Yeah, although knowing how Dan Slott operates, I would not be shocked if these two issues get brought up in ASM 800. Like, like, remember that time when, when I started started maiming people in the bugle and you just stood there and let me do it? Robbie. Uh, it's going to happen. I made I made I made your wife think you were a coward. All right. Well, now I'm now I'm going to be on the lookout for it. I, I, I didn't but. even think about it until you all just brought that up. I'm like, holy crap! Like Dan Slott's totally going to reference these two issues because, I mean, he referenced the deal with Loki from five oh three. Why why wouldn't he go back to these issues? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm still feeling the sting on that one because that was that was, you know, my holdout was like some some went sometime. Some writer is going to pull that card out and and do something with with one more day and and one moment in time. Not maybe not bring the marriage back, but like do something to fix kind of the weird continuity hiccups. But making sure a guy doesn't die, I guess, works too. Uh. <laughs> what if Loki fought Mephisto for Spider-Man's marriage? <laughs> I mean, I'd read it. The only other note I had was uh, in the preview for the next issue, it mentions that there was a promise to keep the spider titles separate, except for special occasions where the story absolutely demands a crossover. And I went ahead and looked it up, and the last crossover had been like 12 issues ago, which was the ending of the Clone Saga. And then after this, this mentioned uh, crossover... I think it crossovers again where uh, with the start of Identity Crisis at 4:34. So they they did a great job of of keeping that promise for for a long time. Um, Kane, wow, wow, Kane, Kane, are you suggesting that Marvel doesn't always keep its promises when it comes to not doing major events and crossovers? It, <laughs> I find that very difficult to believe. I know I'm speaking sacrilege here. Maybe maybe I'm just being far too cynical. But um, how many events and crossovers have we had since Secret Empire? <laughs> well, I have to stand up and defend the identity crisis issues. Oh God! Because of course I do. <laughs> First of all, whereas there is a light element across the Spider books, where if you were reading them all at the time, as you should, as a devoted Spider fan, there was me you across them that you could discover by reading it all but if you read the individual series each one uh assigned spider-man with a different identity and different story so that you'd be getting your own chunk of the identity crisis which would roll out but in fact a spider hunt just went across the books that came first and there's no way to defend that <laughs> 
<laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm trying to convince Matt not to let us or not to have us do a Slingers slash Identity Crisis month, but he's been gunning for it hard for a while. So if you guys want to hear that, please please keep it to yourselves and and don't chime in and tell us that that's what you want to hear. That's what the people want, Kane. <laughs> You know, I, I, I hate to say it, not because I agree with Matt, I, I do agree with Kane here, but like I, I the the sheer volume of, of emails and tweets I used to get when I was doing Chasing Amazing more regularly about people being like, you need to talk about identity crisis. I'm like, why? And actually, first time I was, first time someone did that, I was like, the you mean the Dave... The Dave Metzler book from uh, a Brad Metzler book from DC. You want me to talk about like why? Why would I talk about that? I'm chasing it. No, the Slinger. You know, with Ricochet and 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 Nightshade or whatever the hell his characters were called. Prodigy. <laughs> Prodigy. Okay, whatever. But you don't have all their names memorized. I don't. Because <laughs> I just don't really like those issues. <laughs> <laughs> All but there, right, but there well. is a post about it, so you you could find that uh, on the on the interwebs too, and said and be like, oh wow, here's another thing that somebody wrote. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> it's, is this the same Mark Janakio as all the other? Anyway. <laughs> All right. When we finish up a story here, we like to kind of mull over what aspect uh, of the Spider-Man lore is represented by this story. Uh, I couldn't really come up with a like good place to fit this in, like you know, any sort of precedent or legacy that this this part or this story adds to in the Spider-Man legacy, or I'm sorry, uh, mythos. Other than, you know, it fits in the tradition of, of team-ups, uh, which is kind of important to the Spider-Man lore. Uh, there, there's, there was an entire book called Team-Up. that. Uh, do, I mean, do you guys feel like this this hit on any, any bigger Spider-Man beats? Um, hey, hey, man. Or was this just... We got to wait till 800, I think, before we can make that determination. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, I guess I guess that's true. We might have to release an addendum to this one uh, when when 800 comes out in what what is it? The middle of I May? Think end of May? I think May 30th. They're saying for that. Oh wow! Oh, ooh, they're really making us wait for yeah. that one. Uh, I mean, you know, Dan Slot's going to deliver. You know how he does endings. <laughs> um, Cynical again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, apologies to Mister Slot if for some reason you are listening to this. <laughs> Oh, don't worry about that. Um. Uh, the, the, actually, I'd point out that the bigger point to the mythos that this book leaves us with has nothing to do with Spider-Man or Peter, but actually has to do with Robbie Robertson, because with all the stuff we talked about prior, Robbie leaves the Daily Bugle, which is one of the main schisms that happens in the Daily Bugle throughout the 90s, while Norman Osborn's owning it. And this period sets up a lot around peter's work life that informs uh issues to come and in some ways i feel has a lasting legacy as robbie now is in charge of the bugle and jameson's on the outs on the other side and this is kind of the flip coin of that idea so 
I think that's the bigger point to the legacy is the uh, C plot. That's when you know you've got a great story. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this one, uh, should this one be reissued for readers to enjoy again or remain untold? Ooh, let's leave that one to Mark. I mean, I think unless you are like the hardest core symbiote slash carnage fan, and they are out there, so I mean that that there is always an audience. Like you probably actually, if you probably slap like the cover to uh, what is it, uh, four thirty on the um on a graphic novel, it would probably sell a bunch of copies. But in terms of the quality, no, I wouldn't reissue it. <laughs> <laughs> that that's sounds fair to me. I will go go with untold on this one. And on to the last round of reviews. I don't think that we have gone live with this episode or with the episode where we start this mark, but uh, Matt and I have been ranking the issues that we've been covering, uh, you know, best to worst. As it stands now, Vibes is best, or Vibes is number one, then pumping up. And uh, then there's some discrepancies, but uh, <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt, where would you place this one? Uh, I'm going to say this is, I'm going to put this one below family business. The only one below family business right now, Marvel Knights. Uh, yes. I put this below Marvel Knights, but if you want to put it above Marvel Knights, uh, I, I'd capitulate. No, I, I think I think you're right there. I, I think I think this Marvel Knights brings more to the table than this one does. I mean, Marvel Knights has the the transfer of Venom to Scorpion. It does have those really good character beats. It has those fun kind of sea stories with Electro and Vulture. This one's just kind of a mess. Mar- Mark, would you agree with that? Would you prefer uh, Marvel Knights Spider-Man to... Uh these two lovely issues yeah i think so i mean you know i'm i'm not the hugest fan of marvel knights but i mean like like kane noted i mean there there are moments in it that i like and enjoy and there's certain it certainly has a legacy uh in terms of impactful things that happened within it just just because i find it overrated and 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 not as good as people say it is doesn't mean that i would put this story uh, above it, I guess you would say. Uh, you know, this 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 story is wholly forgettable, and and you know, no disrespect to the legendary Tom DeFalco, uh, it's just it's just not well executed. You know, it's just like like you said, there just it leaves you wanting more in terms of a lot of things, and you know, it's very hard to kind of glom on to anything, being like, wow, that was an amazing moment. Well, and I mean, I don't know, of course, but I'm sure if you were to ask Tom DeFalco, this is not a story he would uh, think of mentioning first. This is hardly his best work, so I don't think he'd be too taken aback with that at all. This is uh, from a period in Marvel that was tumultuous for many reasons, and I'm sure some of that came through in the final product. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, not to get into the sausage making, but I mean, like, Tom was... You know, Tom had been editor in chief of Marvel, and he essentially, you know, got displaced and had to go back to writing comics like a, like a regular schlub again. So I'm sure he wasn't like in the happiest place at the time either. <laughs> right. 
All right. Well, uh, I mean, is is that it? Is are are we done with this one? Can we put it to bed? Let, let's lay it to rest. Let's throw it into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Forget untold. Forget reissued. We're jettisoning this one right into the sun. Bob, throw this into the sun. Uh, uh, so since Mark gets more kickback than we do, should we have him round out the uh, Patreon notes? Um, uh, we, we, we can do the Patreon notes. Let's see. Let's, let's not, let's not make the guests do all the heavy lifting. Oh. Uh, I've already screwed things up enough for you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, we are done with this comic. Uh, you can always subscribe to to our show via whatever platform you're using to currently listen to it. Or if you're listening on the website, you can check the show notes for links to your platform of choice. Uh, Feel free to leave a review with your opinions. We love to hear feedback from you guys. Uh, If you'd like to support the show, please consider joining the amazing spider talk, Patreon $3 and 99 cents a month gets you exclusive access to my and Matt's Spider-Man B title reviews the Amazing Spider Talks reviews of Amazing Spider-Man, as well as the Patreon-only channel and the Amazing Spider Talk Slack channel. Uh, for those to which, for those who wish to donate even further, a $10 a month pledge grants you access to the Excelsior Club, where you will receive two commissioned art, pieces of art from Spider-Man artists per year. So uh, <laughs> uh, let's hear from our guest first. Mark, where can we find you on the internet? Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Chasing ASM Blog. And of course, if you want to go through the archives and find other random issues of Spider-Man I've written about over the years, you can go to ChasingAmazingBlog.com. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, there's the book, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die from Triumph Books. And lastly, I'm at the mothership, Amazing Spider Talk, the the podcast that started it all, this media empire that we are now, uh, thanks to you two. So, uh, you know, you can go there and and, and do all that fun stuff. Great. And uh, Matt, where can we find you? Well, you can, of course, find me on the tweeters at MagicalMatt42. And I again want to extend a special thank you to those lovely individuals at the Ultimate Spin podcast talking about the Miles Morales Spider-Man and the Spider-Gwen comics so that we don't have to. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter for whatever reason under at Kane Writes. You can also follow the show on Twitter under the handle Untold Talks SPMN. You can also find us on Facebook under Untold Talks of Spider Man or email the show at Untold Talks of Spider Man at gmail.com. Matt, do you want to tell our readers what we're going to be covering next? Or do you do you want to leave that joy to me? Because I'm really excited about this. This one's all yours, buddy. All right. Well, for a special Mother's Day episode, we will be covering the one and only Trouble. Issues one through five by Mark Miller, pencils by Terry Dodson, and Colors by Rachel Dodson. Um, It's kind of a Spider-Man comic, and so we're going to count it. 
because I've been wanting to talk about this comic pretty much since I started writing for Dan on Superior Spider Talk. So I'm really excited. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. It's gonna be a blast. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, um, until Carnage goes straight and gets a job as a parking enforcement (laughs) officer, make mine untold. Slinging all around Manhattan Tony Stark was happening Got a new suit and styling So go and get to snapping I post it for you, players pop, Post it for you Do a flip, then drop a perpetrator Stop, stop him for you Got Anna popping with my auntie hey. Old suit look like Jimmy Joke. Make me an Avenger hey. Spider-Man in that family Spider-Man. Got me if you want me Tony got me if you want me Said recruit me if you want me Took down Ant-Man cause you wanted to Touch all the sneak attacks I don't need no eyes on them It's the Spidey sense Ain't got no surprise on me Call me so amazing, so spectacular Do all that a spider can do Web shooters up on my wrist You know I make it go thwip That's how I live that Spidey life That's Spidey life That's how I live that Spidey life That's Spidey life Taking hits that hurt my ego Vulture, where did he go? Please don't tell my secret Promise me you'll keep it on the low With great power comes great responsibility I promise NYC that I'll never leave Midtown give me guidance Every day working on science Take a look at those heroes here And tell me who's the freshest Is it her? Is it her? Is it he? Is it he? Say it's me Say it's me And I'll agree all the sneak attacks I don't need no eyes on them It's the spidey sense Ain't got no surprise on me Call me so amazing, so spectacular Do all that a spider can do Web shooters up on my wrist You know I make it go thwip That's how I live that spidey life That spidey life That's how I live that spidey life That spidey life You say that I'm the See that on